Science. Hello and welcome to Probably Science. My name is Andy Wood. I'm Matt Kirshen. Took a second to remember that. It's been a long week. <laughs> it's a lot of jet lag. Just got back from Vegas. You know what? I honestly, I have jet lag symptoms after a week in Vegas. I woke up. <laughs> it's one. It's one hour off, if I'm correct. No, it's this, this is exactly the same time time oh it's not uh, mountain time no it's <laughs> california pacific time but it's also vegas time yeah so this morning i woke up at eight in the morning uh yesterday i woke up at noon mm. so i my body doesn't know what it's doing and our guest was in Vegas with me. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I... I, was, I wasn't talking because I didn't know if you guys were going to introduce me. Oh, or no, I, we don't know. oh okay. Sorry. I was like, no, should no, I... Sure. I think when I like mess up your yeah, vibe. Yeah, we yeah. do eventually do an introduction, but that, that is the voice oh, of Francisco okay. Ramos. Yes. No. Ex- excellent comic and Thank also you. person who was... In Vegas. In Vegas at the same time doing a different club, but... Sort of things but, I like. But we, it's funny that still, like you were saying about the jet lag, it is because it's like, I think over there you go to sleep so late and wake up so, you know, so yeah. so late. And it's kind of like when you get back here, you're like, oh, I have to now wake up at normal people time. Kind yeah. of, you know, like, oh, there's such a, like a weird, you know, you're inside the casino. You don't know what's light, what's day, you know. And also it was absurdly hot the whole week. Yeah. Like how hot is hot? So it was averaging, I think, 107, 108 during the day. That's uh, around the forty mark. Pretty much, for our yeah. Like going to the pool is like Celsius literally fans. like half hour, and then you're like, "All right, that's it." Yeah, I couldn't be in the pool. I some of the other comics went to the pool for a bit, and I was like, even in the pool, I was. This is just too much. This is absurd. Yeah. Did, I forgot. Did you come out uh, in 2017 to that Palm Springs weekend? I did. It was similarly <laughs> absurd. It was 118. Which well, we was, actually wow. ended up staying in the hot tub because for some reason that was cooler than the general pool. Oh, really? Yeah, that's hilarious. Or at least we could like add enough. We had just bags of ice we just yeah. put on our heads. Ah, yeah, yeah. The, the trickle down your head into the water would warm up the, or would cool down the wow. hot tub enough that it was bare. And then I worked and out you could make, um, if you, I had one of those plastic uh, coffee cups, like permanent coffee cups from a donut place around the corner from a, or a bagel place. That's one of those. Hey, bring yeah. us this coffee cup back and you get whatever off each refill. That's hilarious. And if you put, if you fill the bottom of that with ice and a bit of water in there, you can then jam a beer bottle in the remaining gap. And then you have a little insulated beer, uh, coffee. Even, no, even still, it just keeps the beer cool enough just to drink it. Yeah, just to drink. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's that's but a challenge. Even still, you've got to down it in about fifteen minutes. Otherwise, it's absurd. It goes hot. Yeah, I can't believe how many new businesses there are. In you, you'd think that humanity would have figured out like you can't get better than a perfect vacuum as far as thermal insulation, right? Yeah, I am, I, am I correct? So. I I think that's the best. And Certainly, I, as far as conduction goes, there's right, also right. radiation that. And and I'm not saying obviously you could have something that is colder than the other thing which cools it off. But if, if you're just hoping for like insulation, certainly someone has gotten as close to a perfect vacuum as we're going to get in a consumer grade thermos. And yet every couple of years is a new. I see billboards now for Corksicle. What's Corksicle? It's another brand of thermos. Like oh, how many okay. possible w- either your thermos works. Or you know it what it is because you lose your thermos all the time. So I mean, like okay. people are like let's they got different let's, colors. Let's, I have to get a new one and then like let me get the newest one. But it's always the same one. It's all a scheme. It's all a pyramid scheme done by Herbalife. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing, I looked on their site to see what else they offer. They have these inserts that go into beer bottles that are like the length of the bottle and skinny. Okay, that you put in the freezer to cool off your beer. I'm like who's 
Who's drinking a bottle of beer that slowly? That's to cool it off. I am. Uh, <laughs> or it's it's forty five degrees Celsius, like a hundred and ten yeah, plus but Fahrenheit. Yeah, you have to like, put this yeah. thing in and out as you take a sip, or maybe you could sip around it. I didn't look into it, but I was just like, this is not. I think it's a lot of inventions for beer instead of like focusing on how to cure cancer or yeah. anything yeah. like that. Or it's kinda... the global warming that means that we need or anything like that. Sure, good point. Although to be fair, it did snow last winter, so and they say there's global warming. Right? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Trump. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. Like, it's like, well, where's this? Global, you know, you know when, when you're right, you're right. He's, it, he's right about it. Cracks a hundred in London today. Is that wow. an all-time record? Yeah. It wow. is really. Yeah. Today's it, the hottest day in the history. Of I believe so. Hang on, let me check. Like, that's what like, it's looked like. London it is always away. cool, right? Like it's always like like uh, not hot. It's always sort of like even in the summer. Well, because yeah, because it's a small. Uh, the UK is a small island, and it's a narrow island as well. So everywhere is close to the water, mm-hmm. which just keeps the temperature fairly yeah. mod- moderate. Yeah, it never gets... It gets cold in the winter. It gets warm, hot in the Is summer. Is it like but San it, Francisco in a it's way? It's very similar to San like Francisco. Because I, like, I remember the first time I went in the summer in San Francisco and I was freezing. Miserable. And I was like, what the hell is this? It's like, why is it so cold? So it's kind of like similar like that. But it got to 100 today. So that's, So here we go. Second good. hottest day ever recorded in Britain. Damn. It didn't quite get the peak. Paris, I think, had its hottest ever. Oh, yeah. Paris was like 105. There's a comic. Tom, yeah, it Tom was 108, Rose. I think. Tom Rose had in his Instagram that he went inside a... A fountain or something, you know. And, you know, he was yeah. in, he's in Paris right now. Of course, he is. And he, yes. Rose, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have a home, correct? Of course not. I think he, he does now here, but he, I think he has recently settled. I think down. he's like what a homeless dream is of like uh, totally of like definitely not having a home, but traveling and like being like a, not having a home, but not being homeless. Yeah, when I hear stories about people like that, I'm like, that, they've got it figured out. Not tied down to anything, but not actually homeless. Like, yeah, not like destitute. But I don't also. know. If, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could just just be traveling uh, all the time and not just have like a home base kind of just thing just the psychological thing of like okay now I can relax because I'm at my base like, yes I don't know how you get that in a hotel room or a hostel or whatever else you're doing but yeah yeah it hit it imagine hit, he's not in hostels but Paris hit 108.7 <laughs> wow Fahrenheit. I mean if, if, you're, if it's a city that I'm, I'm guessing that these cities, since they're more temperate, probably don't have as much air conditioning. No. As oh, that's like, exactly the case. In the UK, yeah. nowhere so that means businesses do, like a you know about, a shopping yeah. mall. Yeah. But no one's house. I've ne- never known anyone's house to have air conditioning. So that means everybody's thinking more now, too. Oh, God, yeah. 42.6 right? Celsius. Oof. Like in Britain, if it gets into the 80s, everyone leaves work and goes to the park. Yeah. Like that's oh, really? it. People just walk out that's of home. That's it. It's like well, that's it. We're done. Yeah, there is no, and everyone understands. They're like, I, we won't work today and because there's no AC. Yeah, we will be drinking beer. Even if you're in an office that does have AC, oh, you're okay. like, no, that's... we will drink beer and eat ice cream in the park now. And Not you understand that this yeah. may never happen again, so we need to make the most of it. Got it. But oh, it's it because like... it's so nice, not because it's hot. No, it, but then if it goes five degrees warmer, then everyone panics. Everyone is closed. Like we got to close down. You know, shut down the work. It's, it's the news. No yeah, more. they're saying it caused chaos in terms of travel. Um, um, have, have there been any reported deaths yet? That must be... Yeah, oh, yeah. Oof. So that means... Because uh, I know... So, uh, I mean, I haven't been to London, but the whole uh, thing about, you know, English people are like a very, like, you know, not chill. Like chill. So now that it's hot, are they going to be more like... Whoa! Like more like wild? Or is it still going to be... Like, is this changing the... Uh, the stereotype of a... People might be angrier. Angrier? I mean, if anything's By the changing way, the stereotype hit, of, of his country, wouldn't it be the election of Boris Johnson? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. Which is also... You guys yeah, have Her- your own Trump. It's amazing. Oh, fuck. Everybody's sake. getting it's their own so Trump. It's so upsetting. Yeah. Mexico got their own Trump, too. Yeah. 
I mean, what it's like in the from the left side of it, which is screwing everything now. You know, I, the st safe money is on Nick Nolte or Gary Busey becoming <laughs> world leaders in the next five years. <laughs> yeah, no, that guy, uh, he was that's crazy, and and he was making fun of. I, I read something he was making fun of Trump, even like or like five years ago or something. Like he like yeah. he didn't like him, and now he's like, oh, they're my they're good friends. Yeah, like, I mean that's everybody. That's the BS of Lindsey politics. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, well. Ted you Cruz. also you come from the country that is used as the cautionary tale. Yes, we are the cautionary. Yeah, we you are. We became the uh, yeah. They go like you know if you do we're that you know that remember that that commercial of like this is your uh, this is your brain in drugs. Yeah, that's Venezuela right now. When people go like this is your country on socialism, <laughs> right. and it's just a egg it's just like, frying. Just your country is the yeah the socialism. Just say no. Yeah, yeah. Just but they, but there's no egg because we can find eggs in the country. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> it's just frying. If you just, heat up a frying pan long enough, it'll also ruin the pan. Of course, yeah, yeah. A lot of them. yeah. No, it's it's crazy. We can't believe that like that we became that. I mean, it's, and it's and it doesn't work. That's my thing. It's like. Because at the end of the day, they're not really doing. I mean, to me, like so, the real socialism that works is the one that they do in in, in Europe, right? In like Sweden, in or, Sweden or Denmark or you know places yeah. like that. To me, that's. But this is where they have like high high taxation, but incredibly good welfare system and a high standard of living. Of course, yeah. In Venezuela, it's just, it's all BS. They just pretend they're socialists to steal money. It's the same way. Is that it? Literally, just went from one side to the other and that's what it is they just pretend they said it's socialism but it's not they're really right. stealing everything you know so what is the current state of I, I'm so I mean it, it, I shouldn't even admit I don't know is Chavez still in no, power right now he, oh no he died like five years God ago damn it. I, sh I did know that no 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 but and that, that's and that's when everything like it was bad it started going bad with him but like he still had like he was kind of like the let's say like the like the monkey king You know what I mean? Like, he's like, okay, so there's still some kind of, like, respect. As soon as he did, like, everybody fucking went wild. And now it's like, now the guy who was, like, his vice president, now he's, uh, you know, he's even horrible. He's like, he doesn't have any respect from anybody. He's like, he's just like a puppet of, like, there's actually, like, a guy who's the vice president of him who's, like, the Dick Cheney of, like, he's the one that runs yeah. everything. Uh, okay. And, and he, uh, yeah. And right now it's just, I mean, it's like... It's a complete mess. The only thing that's good that happened is that this new guy, Juan Guaido, who's basically like the speaker of the house. Yeah. You know, like he's the one that that now is kind of leading. At least there's one person that everybody's kind of like, you know, from the opposition that kind of like supporting him. So he's trying to do things the right way. You know, at the end of the day, it's still hard because Chad, uh, Maduro, who's the new guy, he still has a control of the, of the military. Uh. So basically that's kind of like... And Venezuela, if that doesn't... I was actually thinking, I don't, what happened with Puerto Rico? I was going, like, Venezuela should do what Puerto Rico did. Because yeah. that's what everybody, like, the whole island was like, you're out. And Venezuela, that still hasn't happened. Where, like, right. like everybody in the whole country is going, like, get out. You know, still po pockets of people that are like, no, nah, we're... It's rare support. that that can happen without bloodshed, though, as well. Yes. Like, that kind of... Yeah. We should, uh, we should do a... Latin American history great courses plus. I mean, God, are we, we still? <laughs> hey, there's a lot of. I'm so stuff. embarrassed that I forgot he died. I'm no, so... I, hey, no uh, worries. Man. I don't know biology or or. But 
By the way, listeners, if any I have of you... to know because I'm from there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like if it's from like, I mean, ask me anything about Africa, and I probably won't know anything. Mm. So I would be also feeling bad if I didn't know what like what's going on in Nigeria or yeah. you know. Uh, by the way, this is a free plug because we're not even paid to advertise in this week. But I was going through some more of the courses when I was stuck in Vegas for a week. It's great, yeah. Listeners, yeah. if you've tried it out so far, let us know and see what. Tell us what you think. Greatcoursesplus.com/slash/probably. Do it. Free month. Uh, hey, Francisco. Well, before we get into the stories, we like to ask our guests what if anything is your background in science i uh well i well there's no i mean it's, i was gonna say like i did no i mean i was good in science as oh. i mean i was like i remember like in biology uh and um chemistry that's the one i didn't like i like more biology i think i was really i like i was more interested in that and i was had better grades in biology with chemistry or, or no actually chemistry was good it's physics that's the one that i was like i wasn't you don't good like at. that that what I was I wasn't good and I didn't like it. It's a whole thing about like acceleration and and then just the the the, the thing goes like this and but it makes so much more sense than biology. <laughs> no, but biology to me is like is I, I think to me it was just easier to to memorize. Okay. You know what I mean? Because my thing in school, like I was really I was a really good student, but I didn't learn. You know what I mean? Like I kind of I was good at memorizing stuff and like right. really good at like no. So for me, biology was easier just to. All right, dissect this, or right. like, or what is uh, uh, crum- what was that? Thing? Micro, 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 microchondria, microchondria, or something mitochondria, like that? the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah, that I one. That, I don't know. It's like I remember just because it was like it's kind of like a bug, like you know, kind of like. So that one, like I remember stuff like that, but like with physics, like because you actually had to like know. <laughs> I reason through how something like, works. Yeah, like if the acceleration goes here and stuff like that, and I was I wasn't good at that. So, but yeah, with physics, chemistry, and naturally, and and uh, and, and biology, that's what I liked. Yeah. And when most. when did you leave Venezuela? I left uh, there when I was uh, eleven years old. So it was like it was even before Chavez got into power. So okay. it was like we moved to Washington D.C., uh, Maryland. You know, and that's where my mom got a job at there. the Pan American Health Organization. Actually, oh cool. She's a pharmacist, and she worked, and that's why we moved to the U.S. You know. Oh, so your mom must have. Your mom's the science you want. Yeah. Well, my mom actually is funny. My mom is uh, study. She wanted to be a doctor, but she went into med uh, pharmacy. You know, she became a pharmacist. And my dad was an industrial chemist, and he actually owned a business like basically it was a a company that would distribute uh, medical equipment and also diabetes uh, stuff. You know, like the whole thing too. Yeah. So he was. Uh, like so it was all like testing stuff. And- yeah. Like so it was all like definitely health. I actually wanted when I was little. I thought I was like oh, I want to be a doctor. You know, and then that never pan out but I mean like, yeah it's more fun to mess around on stage yeah well I never knew I wanted to do comedy until I finally graduated I majored in finance and international business uh-huh. okay and the last semester that's when I was like whoa I don't like this at all and, now, <laughs> and I started having like a quarter life crisis and yeah. I'm like what do I want to do you know and that's when I started thinking okay what do, what do I want to do because everything was like oh I'm doing this because they're doing it or because yeah, my parents told same. me you know what I mean like that whole like bubble you know what I mean yeah so, so you started stand up your senior year of college? No, I started. I so I I got out. I I graduated. I started. I started working in an investment firm that my sister was working at the time, uh, interning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and they hired me right away. So I was like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do, you know. Yeah. So I started working, and I, I'm, this uh, happened. I went to happy hour with a guy who was interning there too, and he was doing security. Evaluations, and he remember we're talking, having a drink, and he's like, "Wow, I mean, I love this. I could do this for free." I remember, I remember when he told me. I remember when he told me that. I was like, "Wow!" Like I was like, "Okay, this is." It just really clicked on me. I was like, 
I should feel the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's when really clicked to me. I was like, what the hell am I doing? And I was like, and I started like really thinking, I'm like, if I'm 40 years old, I'm still doing this. I'm going to kill myself. Like I was like, and everything was, I was like, it was known what I was going to happen. Like I had the girlfriend and I'm, all my friends were doing the working the same thing. And then, well, in two years you get the masters and then you masters, you get the CFA and then you do this and then you buy the house. It was always like, I kind of knew what my life was going to be. Right. Yeah. And I was like, that's when I started going like, all right, no, this is not for me. And I have, and then that's when I started like really thinking, okay, what do I like to do? And I was like to make people laugh and stuff like that. And I took an improv class mm-hmm. in at the DC improv. Uh, never told anybody. Basically, I was like, I'm just going to do this. Uh-huh. And, and I was very introverted. I, uh, I never did anything acting or anything like that. And but I remember the first time I took it, I was like, it was the first thing that I was like, whoa, I like this. I felt good that I was better than average. Yeah. And I wanted to do it again. And that was very like, those three things were like, whoa. Like I never had a thing where like, I want to do it again. And I want to get better. I want to get better. And after that's that, just, amazing. It's yeah. so lucky that you have that. That's not. I mean, I'm always tell people, it's like, man, I'm glad that I. It's kind of like for me, it was like more like I was blind, and then I could see. Yeah. And then I could not go back to like I couldn't go back to being like, well, now I'm gonna still be a finance. It wasn't like no, I. This, so you quit, or you I just quit. split split your time for a bit, or no? So I I did. I took all classes for like I took like improv classes like the whole course for like a year. So I took like you know, and I remember even. I remember I used to go out all the time. I used to promote parties at clubs. And then I stopped doing that. And I would go interning at this uh, comedy sports uh-huh. thing for fr- on Friday night, you know, uh-huh. like when all my friends were partying. And I was like, you know, like then. And then after a year, that's when I started going like, well, if I really do want to do this for real, I have to move to where it is. And I started researching and thinking, I was like, should I move to Chicago, New York, or L.A.? And then um, I wanted to do Groundlings because SNL and all yeah, this yeah. stuff. And that's one of the reasons I moved to to LA. Also, just to kind of like, if I moved to New York, I knew it was going to be back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let me move to LA to really start from scratch. No, know anything. Just really like yeah. be myself. And that's when I moved here. I uh, I did. I was smart in a way because I was like, well, I wasn't. I was always very realistic. I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to do this, so I'm just going to get another job. Mm-hmm. And I got a job in a finance firm to at Century City. Okay, and it was the best job that I could again to actually pursue comedy because it was from uh, East Coast hours. So I had to work at six thirty in the morning to two thirty at night, mm-hmm. and after that, then I had the you know the afternoon free, so I could to start doing open mics and you know I did it's great except that you're also going to be going out at night and then you have to get up at oh man yeah or for four years man I was like literally like a zombie like I was God. like and I I mean I could like I remember like just staying late and then waking up early and just sleeping I mean that job I mean I don't know how they didn't fire me yeah. because I literally would sleep like I literally would sleep I would go to the parking lot and sleep for half an hour and then go up there and like I used to do that yeah. nobody would like because that job was like nobody knew what, like that job I could do I literally could have done the job that I needed to do in an hour and then I had to do I had to pretend to work for seven hours yeah, yeah. so it was like just going I started I, I did one of the voices in the movie Rio I auditioned while working there I went to <laughs> I went to Fox you know and I'm like oh I gotta go to the doctor so I went there and I went back and then I'm like and then I just kept doing that I was like I would just change in the car to go to an audition <laughs> and then come back and I mean it was it was and then he's really going to the doctor a lot <laughs> yes and appearing okay. on IMDB with a lot of regular no and the cool thing is nobody find out until like 
towards the end of when I was about to quit that I uh, they found out that I was like somebody saw something on YouTube. I was like, hey, you do comedy? I was like, you didn't even tell me you did it at all. No, I never oh, told man, them. That's amazing. I was like, it's always like I was cheating on them, you right, know, because yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm not gonna say anything until until finally I find out. You know, and then afterwards, that's when I realized I was like, it got to the point where it's like, well, I was getting like more, like uh, more shows and more stuff, and I was like, well, I, I gotta quit. And then was the, I told them, and they were cool with it because I wanted to like, it would have been cool if they fired me, so then I could get unemployment. But oh, yeah. they actually gave me like I think like two months or three months of like pay of salary. Yeah. So for me to, you know, they were cool with it, that's and they're nice, like, hey, yeah. go do your thing, and like. But yeah, man, I was like, I was really thankful for that job because it really, like, it, it like, I, I mean, it saved me for four, you know. And That's I was amazing. always going like, should I be not working full time? And I was like, I always tell people like, yeah, it doesn't work full time until you can't work full time. Yeah, I mean, Brooks, our original, uh, one of the original hosts to this, mm -hmm. was uh, still working full time as a biomedical engineer doing comedy at night, and when he got hired by SNL. I think he didn't. What was the story? He didn't tell his work. He just stopped coming to work. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> and then so. just appeared on SNL yeah, a couple of days yeah. later. That's hilarious. <laughs> Wait, what? Are you you know then, how Brooks hasn't been here for the last few days? <laughs> well, he's in New York on Saturday Night Live. I'd be funny. His getting, name's being announced in a booming voice. <laughs> be funny getting that call. He's getting this call. He's like, "Hey, uh, I just saw you on Saturday Night Live. Are you coming?" Back on Monday, I know. It's, are you still coming <laughs> yeah. on Monday? It's like you know. We thought maybe it was just like a one weekend thing. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Just trying it out. Should um, we? Can we move your stuff? <laughs> yeah. You know, we need the space. That's hilarious. Dibs on his coffee mug. Uh, is that Brooks Whelan? Brooks Whelan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. I didn't know he there was a. Biomedical um, engineer. Wow. Yeah. I think that's he, awesome. kept, he kept those worlds pretty separate too until he did a joke about his boss on TV, which she saw. Is that what happened? There was uh, there was something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, that's the thing, and I never wanted to also do that as well. I never wanted to like talk about my job while I was working. Yeah. I just I, I I don't know. I felt I was like uh, I don't know if I want to make fun of them while you know, especially you even the, even if they didn't know. I just felt kind of weird doing it, you know. And after I got out, I was like, yeah, yeah, I could talk about anything, you know. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's like I think it's like there's this misconception that we get like, oh no, I have to be. You know, full time doing this and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, it's great if you have the money. If you have the money, right? But if you can't, you gotta work, and you know. And there's also the whole. I mean, I guess you just said you don't, you didn't want to comment on the job at while doing stand up, but there's the whole idea of like you should live a life worth commenting on if you're going to be a professional. Of course. Should we? Uh, of give, given that we're talking about comedy, should we link to the one comedy related story? Yeah, why that not do is that? In, that involves canned laughter and a friend of the show as well. That's true. Oh, this is from. Is it from Rachel or? No, this was this story was sent in by Christine Williams and I think okay. a couple of other people as well. But canned laughter has been shown in a study to make jokes funnier. Canned laughter? Yeah, as, as in, in like, as laugh in like tracks. laugh tracks. Oh, got it, got it. Got Sorry, it. that's the British term for that. No, I mean that's how we, we call that. that Do you? Too. Okay. I just I'm just ignorant. Sorry. You're just what? I'm just ignorant. Sorry. <laughs> They're like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, so that's supposed to be what? Supposed to be make things funnier? Which so, I guess is the whole uh, idea behind. Yeah, I mean that's why people do it. They assume that it would make people enjoy something more. For some reason, I'm, the story's not coming up. Uh, I really, I can read it. It's at the bottom of there. It's a BBC link that's at the bottom of the thing. That okay. don't search for canned laughter. Search for uh, Christine. Got it. Adding canned laughter to the punchline of jokes, even dad jokes, makes them funnier, according to a study. The effect was even bigger. Uh, if real spontaneous giggles accompanied a gag, uh, the University College London scientist said, um, 
Specifically, by the way, it says University College. I don't know if it names them later on. But friend of the show, Sophie Scott, who I recorded an episode with with guest co-host Nick Doody a while ago in yeah. London. She studies uh, the... F- I don't know what her official... I can't remember what her official scientific department is. I think she's experimental psychology, probably, or neuro... I think she's a neuroscientist by trade. But she has studied multiple things along the effect of laughter on the brain and humor and mm-hmm. what la- what makes people laugh and so on in the brain. So... Uh, I well, I do think that will. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, that's why keep people still use it, and you know, sitcoms and stuff like that. You know, like that whole like you think like, oh, that's like a nineties thing, an eighties thing, but they still Netflix still using it. You know? Yeah, yeah, it makes you know. It's sort of like how placebos work, even when you know they're placebos. Yeah. Like, I was almost thinking we should try to read some of these. So they gave examples of some of these okay. yeah, sort so of they, dad jokes that they, they specifically chose sort of fairly clunky cheesy jokes cheesy one-liners and this is to uh, an audience or to a person so they recorded it and when i say they i think it was i'm trying to find the article the other article that i read about it because i believe it's i believe it was ben vandervelt who's a comedy there we go who's a london-based comic Mm -hmm. and a mate of mine that's a great name by the way ben solid name right yeah so yes it was i found another article about it that it was ben vandervelt who recorded 40 dad jokes that the academics found on the internet to play to the subjects they heard the punchline followed by either no laughter, uh, posed laughter created by a second group of people mm-hmm. faking a response, or spontaneous laughter, a genuine response recorded while people watched funny YouTube videos. The volunteers mm. were then asked to rate the funniness of the joke on a scale of one to seven. Researchers found even the fake laughter up the average score of each joke by about 10%, with the spontaneous laughter hiking the store scores typically 15 to 20%. Wow. They deliberately used bad gags saying wait wait don't tell him yet i don't know i'm not saying what the jokes were but i'm saying the reason for the bad jokes were the jokes were all somewhat puerile this was to avoid a ceiling effect that might mask any effects of added Mm. laughter they also chose puns and wordplay rather than punchlines that rely on interpretations of intentions or social rules do you want to try delivering some of these jokes and we will alternate laughing and then not laughing let's do it and uh, the research so here we go sophie scott is a professor of cognitive neuroscience at UCL and what's UCL uh, University College London oh. and she was the head of the team there's a second part of this as well by the way uh, before we do the jokes because this, this is also interesting to me so in conclusion the team said laughter tracks were initially introduced because listeners did not always realize radio comedies were meant to be funny our data uh, suggests laughter may also influence how funny the so comedy funny. itself is perceived to be uh, and the research had another serious point in that it compared the results amongst autistic volunteers and neurotypical ones, and it found no difference between each group in the effect different types of laugh track had on the ratings of the jokes. This might suggest that comedy and laughter could be more accessible to people with autism than typically considered to be. Mm. Uh, In fact, those with autism rated all of the 40 jokes as funnier. This may be because the neurotypical adults were more aware that these dad jokes are considered childish and uncool, the researchers wrote, Mm. while the autistic adults were more open to such jokes. But I guess that also surprised me that I thought one of the things of autism and being on the spectrum is a lack of a difficulty with social cues or lack of yeah yeah it's more about like but I but it turns out that still isn't doesn't affect it like yeah. laughter being contagious is unaffected and, w- by and also what I've thought of, of, of being autistic is that yeah like you're like really yeah you're weird with social interactions but when you're like focused on something you're really 
like really concentrated on it. So it's like if it's a joke or anything else, they're gonna really laugh more because they're really in more into it. I guess you know. Yeah. I, I mean. Yeah. I I'm not an expert. So I just want to say. I'm just. That's what I. That's what I felt like I heard. You know what I mean? But uh, uh do, do you want to do some of these jokes? Well, let's let's start. I mean, they'll know ahead of time what we're going to do, but still see if it affects your. So what your, are we going to do? Listener. So are we doing laughter or like just? Let's alternate. Let's do. Let's laugh one, then not laugh one, and laugh okay. one. Okay. Like force laugh. the laughter force after the joke. Okay. Really cool. dumb laughter. That's over right. the top. Uh, are you reading? Oh, no, I thought you were going to read it. Okay. You'll. I mean, British accents are funnier, so. <laughs> That wasn't that wasn't a real laugh, by the way. That's not a fake. What are you, now I'm overthinking all these laughs. What, Francisco and Andy and listeners? Yes, Matt. Do you call a sleeping dinosaur? I, I don't know. A dino snore. That's pretty good. Oh, let's hear some more. All right. What did the hammer say to his homeboys? What? Nailed it. Wait, I thought we're not laughing oh, at that. Oh, we're not laughing at that. Sorry, fuck the well, experiment I, I, already. Uh, that's pretty. We're not laughing at this one. Okay. Okay. Where do pencils spend their vacation? Where? Pennsylvania. <laughs> What's the next one? I don't think they studied. We've extended the experiment here by adding cricket sounds. <laughs> I think that makes it even funnier. <laughs> that's the problem. Uh, sure. Do you have boo sound effects for this next one? Uh, one second. What? Yes. Andy and Francisco and listeners, do flies eat for breakfast? Oh man, I'm trying to think whether I can um, guess this one. I don't think you will. What do flies eat for breakfast? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the answer? I mean, it's it's <laughs> that kind of my- if That was the answer. <laughs> That's I mean, it's a that joke. It's, I don't think you can say shit. <laughs> no, but that would the, make- the actual answer is a bowl of poop loops. Oh, oh my god! So it is. But to be honest, I would laugh at that because it's so far from being good. It's, attempting or, a pun is not making it. So I would laugh at I that. I mean, because- fruit poop. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's too I, much. Honestly, what's a flies eat for breakfast? Shit. It's yeah. genuinely funny. Pretty great. Oh, my God. <laughs> I kind of want to tell my, uh, like my six-year-old nephew that. That's a funny time. one. Because yeah. like, you're saying shit. You're saying a bad word, but it's yeah. true. What the yeah. flies eat for breakfast? Shit. I, if I was... It's a good piece of business. Ten-year-old Matt would find that about the funniest joke. Oh, that's <laughs> a, yeah, yeah, that's... Because also, that's... Ten-year-old Matt would find that about the rudest word he knew as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. But it also, if you go on a deeper level, it's also like it's just like also like yeah, they just eat whatever. So it's kind of like just shit. Yeah. You know. So it's like even it it's like the, so the benign use of shit. So it's a truth level of like yeah, if you can some laugh and then be like that's actually it's a thinker. It's a thinker. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and I tr- it's also in my mind because I took out my dog before I get out. I, I got here, and literally he pooped, and like a fly came out of nowhere yeah. and just. Sad on the poop, and I was like, "What is? I mean, I don't even know where." So sometimes fly stereotypes are true. Is no, no, (laughs) they're complete. (laughs) They're really into shit. (laughs) Um, that'd be suck to be like a like a hypochondric fly. (laughs) It's kind of like, like, oh god, it's on me! It's on me! Get it off! Get it off! (laughs) Oh, get it off me! I'm hungry, but I hate the shit. (laughs) I know I'm gonna get sick. So. Anyway, that's that's the story. There we go. Candle after works. works. It really does for all you all you hipster comedy fans. Yeah. 
I mean, I do love a good single camera. I love a 30 rock. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes people really need to have the jokes just like circled, underlined, arrows pointing to them. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. Like sometimes it is nice to just throw on a cheers. Yeah. yeah. I think. Oh, but that's, is that, ca- oh, I mean, I guess we're saying any laughter that's accompanying the, the joke, but like, yeah. that was back in the day when like people became aware of the radio, maybe this, right? Maybe this, no, like TV, like I think oh. in the seventies, the fake laughter, the candle laughter. the really fake one, like in the Jetsons. People thought it was real. Well, I mean, whatever they thought, people became aware of it and be, and and started to rebel. I mean, maybe they didn't, but there was the perception that if 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 you had that in your show, it was bad. Got so it. in the eighties, they started to have all these shows where a person's voice who isn't even in the show, as the show was opening, you'd hear a person say, "Cheers" was taped before a live studio audience, and then the show would start. Like it was the seal of like this isn't canned laughter. Yeah. You're hearing real people. Yeah, yeah. This this lawyer is certifying. Right. It's just a funny. I just thought of that. Like that is such a weird thing that only went on for like. Maybe 10 years or so, but yeah. it was like a point of pride for shows. And now it's just like, well, you know what this show is. It's either yeah, yeah. a laughing show or a non-laughing show. And, and even in those... One, you assume it's real, but then sweeten in the mix. But, but even when you're taping in front of a live audience, I think that they're still kind of like you're forced. Or they make you laugh in those, at those points. So it's kind of like it's still kind of like a canned laughter in a way. Yeah. Because it's I, like, it's real, but it's like, okay, It's laugh. also easy. It's relaxing to watch a show like that. You don't have to really think as hard because you're like, okay, it's going to tell me when when the joke ends so I can work out what the joke was. You don't feel bad for the performers because they're getting a laugh even if yeah. you don't laugh. Like, everyone's getting yeah. what they need, so... But it's yeah. only on, on shows because you never see it in movies. It'd be too much, two hours of just canned laughter. That's a really good point. Right? Why is that a thing no one is... It's always in this the movie two. was filmed before a live studio. Yeah. That's very true. How just, weird would that be? Imagine, but imagine an hour and a half of just like right. so an hour and a half of canned laughter would be super too much. So strange. Yeah, it'd be people would be like, all right, that's. I think people can do a well, twenty-two minutes. Imagine adding no even a really funny movies, film. Though. Yeah, like, like imagine adding a laugh track to planes, trains, and automobiles yeah. something yeah. like that. It would still be incredible. Or airplanes. You know, like imagine how many jokes are into that. In, right in in the, in that movie, and it's like fuck. That would be so weird. That's a great point. Hold on a second. Now I'm trying to think. Are there any single camera comedies you can think of that have laughter? Because that's also weird. Was it a uh, TV comedies? There are sort of hybrids. Yeah, I was thinking uh, like Alan Partridge was kind of a hybrid. They filmed it. They filmed that in a very weird way. Where I think particularly by the 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 second series of I'm Alan Partridge, they filmed on a kind of closed set uh-huh. so that they could film multiple mm. angles. But then live relayed it to so the studio audience was watching it live, but mostly on monitors, like mm-hmm. Mr. Show style, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of looks a bit like a single cam, but it had a laugh track. Got it. But it had a genuine laugh track of audiences, okay. and in fact, and I think also, even in modern sitcoms, they'll sometimes do outside yeah, scenes that they'll they play. Show. Yeah, like I went to a a filming years ago of uh, Mike and Molly. Mm-hmm. Which is a Chuck Lorre sitcom. Chuck Lorre, who does all of like Big Bang Theory and Two, oh, uh, two and a Half, two two and and a half Man, Man is one of his. Yeah, he's he does all of those. He knows the formula. It's a very all CBS. Basically. Yeah, and the way yeah. they do that, they film most of it in the studio, but sometimes they have like an outside yeah. scene, mm-hmm. and then they just play it back to the audience for you to laugh at. So again, it's sort of a hybrid. But I remember as a kid, those scenes weirding me out the same way it weirded me out seeing Kermit on a bicycle in the Muppet movie. Uh, like, yeah, we're not yeah. supposed to see him without the. Oh yeah, the full body with the legs. Well, also back in the day, there. I don't know if it was the same yeah. in British TV, but in America, sorry, in American TV, but in Britain, those outside scenes were often on film. Yeah, that's the, what I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah, true. So, just, so even yeah. the, the texture, the grain. Yeah, that's different. why. That's why it weirded me out. Yeah. yeah, you could be like, "What's going on? Why like, is yeah. it? Yeah, why is a short film in the middle of the sitcom? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It still has laughter. Uh, you know what else is weird? Um, meteors that almost no. What's weird? That's exactly right. Is it really? <laughs> 
Yeah. Wait, what is it? And me we, sneezing because and, and we didn't was... even hear about this until it was almost too late. But an asteroid just buzzed past Earth. Thanks, Justin Broad, for scaring us with this story. Yeah, a hundred meter wide. That's pretty wide. It's pretty wide. It's wow. big enough to do some serious damage. Uh, it, it just buzzed, buzzed by today on Thursday. Today is uh, July twenty fifth. Seventy thousand kilometers from Earth, which in meet it, which in, in hundred Earth... meter wide asteroids is pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Is this, are we talking about Armageddon level? Yeah, I think so. I think we came very near to having to scramble uh, Bruce Willis <laughs> and Aerosmith. Just wake him up. I was like, hey, now's your time. Yeah. Everybody you? flipping up welding masks, being like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We, yeah, yeah. The whole, like, we're all going to die. You know, and the, what? So I what? I want to close my eyes. So what? So what does an actual like a meteor like it would do? Like if it was like in that size, like it would, but it would just hit somewhere in Earth, or it would just mess up with the whole Earth. Well, if well, it the one. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. Well, according to this, so the asteroid, which is designated 2019 OK, is not a threat to Earth right now, but they do pose a genuine risk, and the fact that they snuck up on us without us noticing until mere hours before it zoomed past the planet. It's quite scary. So the Tunguska explosion in 1908 and the Chelyabinsk meteor in 2013 were equivalent to large nuclear explosions, and under the wrong circumstances, a meteor impact could devastate a city. Yeah, that one in Russia in 2013, We that was when we were already doing the podcast. We talked about that because we also saw... There was tons of Russian dash cam footage of it yes. because Russians all have cameras in their cars. Mm-hmm. That was the one that blew out windows and sent like a thousand people to the hospital oh, for wow. mostly like broken glass injuries. That's 20 meters across. Wow. So this thing, so if it's five times as wide, it's going to be... Uh, 25 times... Oh, sorry, 25. Yeah, 125 times, times the volume. Is, yeah. Wow. And so that's, that's pretty bad. So it does... But my so my question was like, yeah, it destroys one part of the... of the Not like... It doesn't destroy no, the whole... Gonna, yeah, it's not going to end life on Earth, but it's going to be a really bad thing. Yeah. And 70,000 kilometers, uh, putting in relation to Earth diameters, Earth is 12,000 kilometers wide. So it's, you know, oh, wow. five wow. or six Earths away from Earth. Wow. So close. I mean, in a way that's not close, but in another way it's very yeah. close. Considering five or six know. Earths is very... Yeah, if you think about like walking down the street with your arms outstretched and someone passing you five arms widths away from you, like that's no, it's yeah, it's big. But like yeah, yeah, yeah. And how would just uh, what they were saying about like oh we need to we didn't know about it like if they knew about it how are they gonna even stop it like <laughs> I don't understand like what's the well it's is it, we just gonna know earlier that it's coming it's like yeah. you know you got two days to move get the hell out of here because well in this case a few hours and so yeah you don't. Can you? You can't. You if something at that than point, that, don't tell me. At that point, just be like, man, eh, just. But you let can't me evacuate die. a city in that yeah, time. Yeah, if you just have to prepare on the earth. It's hitting. That's. But it, can that can it be destroyed? Is there any like way to stop it? Like throwing so that, a missile or something. So yeah, there are plenty of astronomers who are tracking asteroids and the like. But some of them sneak up, uh, particularly if they appear during the day because they're more visible at night. Uh, hmm. They're fainter the further they get from Earth. At closest approach and with dark skies, 2019 OK would, be, would have been visit, visible with a pair of binoculars as a point of light drifting slowly across the sky. But three days before that, it was a thousand times fainter and thus harder to spot. What's more, for the past month, it's been relatively close to the sun, so it's only been visible around twilight. It was hmm. finally tracked down by the Sonia survey on Wednesday, and soon after that, it was independently detected by the ASAS SN telescope network. Both of these surveys use relatively small telescopes with sensitive cameras to search large areas of sky. 
rather than using large telescopes to study small patches of sky. Before its discovery as a near-Earth asteroid, it was imaged by other telescopes, but its significance wasn't recognized. But they did help them nail down the orbit. It has a very elliptical orbit, taking it from the asteroid belt beyond Mars to within the orbits of both Earth and Venus. As each orbit takes 27 years, it isn't always going to pass as close to Earth as it did this time, but it, it will make close approaches in the future. Mm. I love that he's like, they're like most of us like, yeah, we couldn't see it unless it's at night. Like all this like technology, and yeah, it's like we just have to wait until night to actually time. see it. You know, we it's like we're yeah. sorry. So it does say in this article, if we find an asteroid on natural collision with Earth, what can we do? Well, with a a day or even a week's notice, we'd be in real trouble. But with more notice, there are options. So we're already sending spacecraft to near Earth asteroids. Uh, and they're more missions of discovery rather than destruction. And in fact, also, even destroying the asteroid could screw things up more because then you're creating multiple asteroids that, you know, if you smash them up and you're not... Oh, it sure. just comes in different pieces now. Yeah. Exactly, like, yeah. Yeah, you're just basically... Now it's going to hit everywhere instead of like, you know... Exactly, rather than just one massive one, asteroid, it's yeah. now like f- five different snooker yeah. balls bouncing around potentially. Well, yeah. Which is basically like the, the the idea of Armageddon. Like they had to destroy it. They had to really dip, like go really down to destroy it because if they just did it, then it would just destroy and have more pieces or whatever. Uh-huh. Right, right. So, well, there, there is that. so one way is adding a gentle nudge rather than a vicious kick because an asteroid... <laughs> a gentle nudge. Yeah, because if you can change the velocity by just over one kilometer per hour over years, that adds up to thousands of kilometers difference in uh, position. I got it. And how would you do a gentle nudge? Well, there are multiple ways. So maybe a small explosion or even like solar sails they've been discussions of or putting a putting a, a body on one side that has a gravitational pull that will over time drag it in one direction. Yeah, didn't we talk... Oh God, I forgot who the guest was. We talked about one possible thing which involved this... Um, like an arm... Oh, God damn it. What was the term for it? I don't think they'd called it a tractor, but... Um, yeah, essentially just displacing some part of the mass of the asteroid. On was that Dr. Sur- Farah Alabe? Yes. I think that was that episode. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I think what- they even did call it a tractor. Oh, is really? Right? I'm tr- now I'm like Google every podcast. That's- astrophysicist is a farmer at heart. <laughs> yes. Okay. The real world Armageddon mission to redirect. This was um, December 11th, 2017. Asteroid redirect mission. But that's only oh, if you see it I'm for sorry. a while, like before, like it hits, like several days or months for you to do that, right? So we talked about this in July of 2016, and then if you Google it now, uh, it says the White House Space Policy Directive One issued December 11th, 2017, ended the mission. Good work, White House. Uh, That's definitely not space prevent- force. Why would you worry about that? <laughs> yeah. I can't even find on this article now. What, There's much bigger things to worry to about, like yeah. Mexicans and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just build a wall around it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Jesus, that's great. And wasn't there also talk about, I mean, maybe it's just a thought experiment, but if you painted one side of an asteroid a certain color, it could act as, as a solar sail kind yeah, of? Yeah, I think there are there are things like that, like the allowing the sun or whatever, or other light sources, but probably mostly the sun, to have photons be absorbed more on one side and reflected more on the other that would nudge it mm-hmm. and again acting like a solar sail uh, it's a very light force but a very small force over a long time accumulated over a huge amount of time is enough to to move it to the side exactly yeah. Yeah. and again the tiniest you only need the tiniest change in trajectory mm-hmm. to over a long enough distance massively change where it ends up 
basically what the Titanic needed before yeah, it hit that very place, gradual. Again, that something like that has so much momentum, but just just a little nudge over very very long time. You know what you can't do yet, and that's teleport it. I'm gonna. Is there a teleportation article? Yeah, I just chucked it into the top of the document. Oh. Sent in by our buddy Janelle. Hey, Janelle. To teleport um, an asteroid? So, scientists have successfully teleported an object from Earth to space for the first time. Wow. It is, however, a photon. Mm. Paving the way for more ambitious and futuristic breakthroughs. Is this clickbait? Come on, Time Magazine. It's in Time Magazine. A team of researchers in China sent a photon from the ground to an orbiting satellite more than 300 miles above through a process known as quantum entanglement, according to MIT Technology Review. That's MIT Technology Review's not normally. As long as that is genuinely published by MIT and it's not one of those... MIT you know, like, stands for something else. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah, Cambridge School of English Language sure, that sure. people fly for outside of uh, <laughs> Leicester Square. But FBI, federal... Wait, what is it? Well, I mean, there's a federal breast inspector or a bikini, bikini inspector. Let's wow. take your pick. Yeah. Okay. MIT. Yeah. Which, by the way, um, I know, I I know there are conspiracy theorists who disagree, but I don't think they did kill Kennedy. I don't think <laughs> the federal bikini. The bikini or the <laughs> the bikinis they, definitely didn't kill him. Yeah, I know but. they were sad about what they did, what he did to Marilyn Monroe, one of the most, one of the foremost bikini bikinis. exponents. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, is there a theory that he had Marilyn Monroe killed? I forgot if that's... No, I thought no. that but he was mixed up with her and there's theories People. of he... Or is it CIA that killed... I don't know. No, I know about that theory. I just forgot about how Marilyn... Oh, because she knew a lot because of the... I mean, the I mean, I'm sure stuff. there are. He has loose lips when he's in bed. Yeah. I don't know if that's a major theory, but... Ap- of course, sure, sure there is. Sure. Yeah. Sure there must be. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely a um, whole mafia thing involved there, too, you know, the whole... Uh, oh, yeah, I heard all about that at the Mob Museum in Vegas on one of my oh, daytime right. excursions. I didn't know it was a Mob Museum. It's great. Yeah. I, I and he talks about uh, Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's Marilyn Monroe or stuff. And, Kennedy. And, yeah, Kennedy stuff in there. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the whole point is, I mean, from what I know, I mean, from what I've seen or read, is more like, yeah, because it was like Frank Sinatra helped him kind of like help, you know, they introduced, he introduced him to the mob and they kind of help him win the election with a little push and then that's the theory okay. and then after that when he won then he his actual his brother robert kennedy kind of went after them and they're like what are you talking like we helped you and now you're going after us yeah. and that's when it's like you know kind of you know so this is the farthest distance tested so far in teleportation experiments say the researchers their work was published online in the open access site arxiv archive arxiv Archive. <laughs> oh, the Kai. Got We've it. We've talked about this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For about a month, the scientists beamed up millions of photons from their ground station in Tibet to the low-orbiting satellite. They were successful in more than 900 cases. This work establishes the first ground-to-satellite uplink for faithful and ultra-long-distance quantum teleportation, an essential step towards global-scale quantum internet, said the team in a statement. The MIT-owned magazine... There we go. Described quantum entanglement as a strange phenomenon that occurs when two quantum objects, such as photons, form at the same instant and point in space, and so share the same existence. In technical terms, they are described by the same wave function, it said. And in yoga terms, it has to do with the fact that what you put out into the universe is what you get back. (laughs) Yeah. We're all just connected, man. We're all just connected. (laughs) The latest development comes almost a year after physicists successfully conducted the world's first quantum teleportation outside of a laboratory. Scientists at the time determined quantum teleportation 
which is often depicted as a futuristic tool in sci-fi films, is in fact possible. Mm. But again, you can't beam anybody up and yeah, probably if... never going to be able to, right? No. Beam me up, Scott, it's not going to... But you could maybe get Wi-Fi going up to a... Just to the just so an astronaut over there is like, look, I uh, I need some Wi-Fi. Yeah, Here you can is. get faster Skype going. Yeah, <laughs> it's pricey. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll have that installed by season six of probably science. I don't know what season we're on. Are we counting seasons? Oh man. Either way, that's expensive, but it's helped out by our list of donors. Oh yeah, we haven't thanked them in a minute. Thank you. We all gotta so thank much some donors. It. Thank you very much. I'll do the. PayPal link, and then do you want to hit the Patreons? Sure, yep. So, thank you very much. Jake Swenson, R.L. Kappa, Drew Chapman, Pandora Young, Callum Gleason, Daniel Monson, Brooks Gilmore, Karen Meeburn, Charles Tyler, Jacob Rochester, Becky Grady, David Gieland, Bryson Rhodes, Sean Gordon, David Wirtz, Oren Harris, John Clarici, Trevor Hubbard, Lindsay Bacon, William Bagley. And also, thank you to our many Patreon patrons, who include Linda Moulton, Judy Walrath, Emma Wilton, John Hood, Matthew Quick, Paul Clayton, Eric Roberts, Peter Lipchi, Sarah Dwin, Chris Bednors, Ada Terrell, Vikram Bhatt, Christopher Lauder, Gavin Dalbroy, Sebastian Coach or Cock or Coke, uh, mm-hmm. Alexander D. Something, Zebulon Keen, Gus Russell, McNall, Stu Holding, Dr. Tasty Tater, Dr. Tasty Tater, I'm glad he finally <laughs> finished Tasty Tater School, uh, Jeff Reeder, Ian Walker, Michael Terry, Jason Shoemaker, Austin Walsworth. Uh, call me Tasty. Dr. Tasty Tater is my, <laughs> my dad's <father>. name. <laughs> Kirsty So, Stephen Edmonds, Justin Turner, Kyle S. We're getting there. Mike, Elaine Van Bergen, Thomas Hatfield, Trevor Machinia, Giovanni Sanchez, UT Lurker, A Boring Potato, Stephen Vogt, <laughs> Mio Ihashi, Hannah. Heather Gentry, Rachel, Mark Williams, Andrew Foote, Nora Miller. Holy shit, this is a lot of Ebola people. Cereal. Ebola Cereal is a great name, too. Um, very close to the end. David Newstein, Ollie Force, Farty McPooper, given name. <laughs> Andy Schenkel, <laughs> Simon, Jack B., Zvonimir Croons, James Casson. Oh, almost there. Matt Jones, Nicholas Hansen, Justin McDowell, Kim Chadsey, Jake Specht, Glenn George, Jim Roscos, Tanya Thrasher, Brody Chandler, Petta Smith, WP Mulligan. <sighs> I'll take uh, over. Jake, Jake Adrianson, Jen Allen, Jesper Peterson, Roger Massey, Graphite Samurai, Dan Monson, Austin Flanagan, Sean O'Hara, Wesley Samwo, uh Justin Afflickston, Charlotte Hollandale, Peter Greds, uh, Gerdes, uh, Stephanie P., Marcus Rios, David Smith, uh, Keith Loretta, Russell Porter, uh, Patrick Chalkley, George Green, Brian Spector, Megani, typical malfeasance. Oh my God, Morris Gerbollet, uh, Robbie Gorman. We should have done this separately. Michael I was going to stop it after the five dollar donors, but let's okay. keep going. <laughs> I love that it's like four normal names, and then it's like Marty McPooper. Yeah, and then another uh, four name. Allison Dennis, Ryan Wechter, uh, Jacob Decker, Luke B, Tierra Dickinson, Hugh Randolph, Christina, Bruce Mason, Crispin Crunch, Stenmark, Andre Stensenko, Mike Fairweather, Dave, uh, Jeremy Walker, Will Klein. Uh, thank we've, you so much. We've done it. All it's, of there's you. There's no one who hasn't gotten a we thank thoroughly, you. If we missed you out, by the way, email us in. I'm sorry. Or if we brutalized your pronunciation, if you are actually uh, uh, Farty McPooper right. or whatever. Dr. Rose. I hope Dr. Tasty Tater is Dr. Tasty Tater. Uh, it's like... Dr. Tusky Charter. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> do we have time to squeeze one more quick story out? I do. Yeah. Let's do that. And then we've got a both, Francisco and I both have to we'll run off to gigs. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. It's all good. Here, here I was dilly-dallying with all these names. What story do you want to do? Um... Well, I could talk about curing HIV in mice. Fuck I don't know yeah. if that, is that up your alley? <laughs> Let's let some mice be all slutty. Matthew Booth. Oh, by the way, just in case anyone's wondering, the reason we're not talking about the meth gators is because that wasn't a real thing. Um, yeah. The meth gators? Loads of people sent in the meth gator stories. <laughs> What's uh, a meth gator? Uh, there was a story that supposedly alligators in the sewage system were methed up because of people flushing their drugs. But it was bullshit. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, that's like the that's the start of like a teenage Ninja, Ninja Turtles movie, yeah. Yeah. right? That's like when now they're just four gators that just fight crime and eat pizza. And also, there's a <laughs> story that I want to say for next week that uh, our friend Rachel Karnak sent in. Who, by the way, also sent in the wedding pictures. Congrats, Rachel. That's so cool. Yeah, and Jordan. That's a couple who met because they both mentioned our podcast on their dating profile. Wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. Uh, so that's awesome. We've and they got married? They're now married. Wow, that's so, awesome. Yeah, there was a story about the de- dementia risk of hot sauce, but also I've heard, read stories before about hot sauce being good for your brain, so I want to read up yeah, more about that right. before we do the story. So they photo each other. They actually photo- they put their photons together. They did. They're entangled. They're entangled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're fully entangled, but wow. hopefully not reported. 300 miles apart constantly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So researchers... I'm oh, sorry. Did I no, do it. I... Researchers say they have removed HIV from the DNA of mice, an achievement that scientists say could be an early step toward an elusive cure for humans. Matthew Booth sent this story in. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, The breakthrough detailed earlier this week in a study credited to more than 30 scientists from Temple University and the University of Nebraska Medical Center was made possible by an antiviral drug in combination with a tool called CRISPR, we've talked about a bunch on here, that can edit genes. Mm. The researchers eliminated HIV in 9 of 23 mice that were modified so their immune systems better mimicked those of humans. Hmm. Clinical trials for the gene editing component of the cure could start as early as next year. Damn. If the FDA approves them, uh, said Kamil Khalili, one of the study's senior investigators. But he and other HIV experts emphasize there's a big scientific leap from promising results in mice to success in humans. How are all these mice getting HIV? Oh, I was just going right. to ask that. I was, my question was like, how are they getting like, how do they get HIV? How do they just put him in like in a party or something? I don't know. Like, like, hey, go have fun or whatever. And yeah, see. they're uh, like mice are really into chemsex. Yeah, right. And <laughs> is it like know, a fire fun. festival thing for mice? <laughs> you know, like just go and party. You know. God, we talked about this. I, What's I, the cri- what'd you say that cri- 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 CRISPR? CRISPR. What is that? It's a technology that allows gene editing, and I forgot any more details beyond that. Even though we've talked about it a bunch of times, I don't know the mechanism by which it works because the life sciences. Which says um, nine out of twenty-three that work for the mice. For the mice, yeah. they wow. said they knew what they needed to do, but the technology was unavailable. Um, Khalili told the Washington Post, saying that he and his team had been awaiting a tool like CRISPR to combat a virus that quote becomes part of the fabric of our chromosomes. And with gene editing finally a reality, he said the outcome was amazing. Once deadly, HIV can now be managed with a treatment called antiretroviral therapy, which keeps the virus in check. Um, but without constant medication, the virus will quickly decimate a patient's ability to fight off sickness. Mm-hmm. And HIV still infects 37 million people worldwide, according to the latest WHO data. And only about 22 million of those people receive antiretroviral, antiretroviral therapy. Uh, nearly 1 million people died of HIV-related illness in 2017, according to WHO. How many mice? I know, right? <laughs> uh, earlier this year, revelations that a second person had seemingly been rid of the virus raised hopes that another patient's cure 12 years earlier, that another patient's cure 12 years earlier was not a one-off victory. 
Uh, but scientists cautioned that it was too early to declare the anonymous second patient cured and that regardless, the case did not herald a widespread cure for the devastating condition. Um, both patients were treated with stelsim, stem cell is mm-hmm. the word, transplants, which experts say are risky, um, bring serious side effects, and would not be preferred for most patients. Uh, previously, Cleely's team at Temple had found a way to remove significant amounts of HIV DNA from rats and mice, but the technique could not completely remove the infection. So the lab joined forces with University of Nebraska Medical Center Lab, attacking the problem in a different way. Um, their, their experimental drug is engineered to act over a longer time than normal therapies, meaning it can be administered every couple months instead of every day. It's also better to able to target HIV in the body, he said. It's crucial that gene editing therapy, gene editing remove every last bit of HIV, he said, and the drug makes that task easier. If you can reduce the amount of virus that's left for CRISPR, the likelihood that the CRISPR will be effective will go up enormously. Um, so if they're going to go ahead with human trials, they'll use standard drugs rather than the one developed by UNMC's lab um, because it probably wouldn't be approved yet. And uh, people at UC San Francisco who've worked on HIV said the use of gene editing to remove HIV from a live animal is a notable step forward. But yeah, again, it's going to be more challenging on humans because they'll have to grapple with more variations of the virus, mm. more difficulties delivering the gene editing technology, and the possibility of cutting up human genes while trying to target HIV, which wouldn't be good either. They just got to give that uh, all those mice, the, the one that didn't get cured, the, what Magic Johnson's taking. Yeah, right. you know what I mean, like I'm just going like, what is Magic Johnson? Give that to everybody. I know that's. I mean, I, what's his thing? Like now with the with these therapies, you can keep it in check for everybody. But like he yeah. had it 20 years ago. He what had it 20. He like doing? he was like, yeah, like back in the 90s. I mean, like, he's still like. Well, once you get past a certain point, then you're a. As far as you're like, immune to as far as a, it. A, when, a you're not immune, but na- nowadays the treatment is so high quality that we've we've discussed in the show before now that that your life expectancy is very like barely different now if you have hiv than if you don't like normal like you would die at the same time maybe yeah, one like, year younger like it's skewed well it's it's on the one hand it is still shortened because even with the treatment you are still more susceptible to certain illnesses you have to be careful about eating like raw foods Got colds it. will hit you harder that kind of thing yeah. you are still slightly immunocompromised but on the other hand you are getting very regular medical treatment. You're, you're consistently... Oh, that's right. We talked about That's true. You're, like, you're going more to a doctor. You're, you're taking yeah. care of more yourself than a normal person would think Ex- because I'm healthy. Exactly. So those two things kind of cancel each other out and you actually end up having approximately the same life expectancy as if you mm. weren't diagnosed. So the key to living a really long life is thinking you have AIDS. Right. So then you <laughs> can just go, go to the doctor a lot and then it's like, yeah. what do you get? You've got to be an HIV negative hypochondriac. Is there? <laughs> but then there's some things that like are bad to be checked for too often, which is a weird yeah. thing we talked about. Like, you know, prostate stuff. Like, Right. There are certain cancer screenings that actually it's firstly the, the That are bad? Well, firstly, the actual test itself normally involves some kind of radiation, like an X-ray, which oh. can... Uh, In the aggregate is a bad thing. Like, yeah. Like if then, you do it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then there are also cases where certain cancers, for example, are not that bad or like would grow very slowly and aren't that aggressive, particularly in older patients. Mm-hmm. And like in, Sometimes in most it's men better. of a certain age, like you die with some form of prostate cancer, but yeah. not of prostate yeah. cancer. Like you, I mean, is it right. the so truth that it, we all have cancer? Anyways? There are cancerous like, cells. I get that's a risk. There is a problem with these full body screenings that you'll end up having sort of dangerous and invasive treatment and harmful treatment that you wouldn't need like there are people who would die of effectively natural causes in their late eighties with 
multiple cancers in their body that don't ever they grow didn't to have the... fed you. Yeah, yeah they don't die lifestyle. of those cancers. Yeah. But if a doctor had done a full screening and noticed it, then suddenly they would have been pumped full of chemotherapy drugs and maybe died earlier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Having said that, I think I'm going to hit my deductible this year because I think I'm going to get surgery. I'm meeting with a neurosurgeon in two weeks. Well, yeah, what kind of surgery? Back? Yeah. So at that I'm point, getting surgery tomorrow, by the way. What? Oh, shit. Yes. For what? Knee. Oh, shit. It's been a thing that I've been dealing for like almost uh, two years of uh, patella tendonitis. That's just been oh, like... Oh, fuck. So... Um, do you have to do something special tonight to prepare or... No, I just can't eat past midnight. Oh, okay. You know, and I'm like... Gremlin rules. Sure. Yes, of course. It's because I don't want an alien to come out of my body. But like, no, so just that. It's just... Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm having that. It's like... You know, I, it's scary in a way, but like I'm like, well, I tried everything I could to not, yeah. and it's just the fact of dealing with pain. I don't. Know, I mean, you probably oh, it's, it's it's just has chronic it pain. Gone by in four months without it. Yeah, it's the it's, first thing that I. This is the first thing that I learned of like having like really, like I always like was pretty much healthy, and then um, and then this happened, and it's so weird because it's like it doesn't go away. Yeah, it changes everything. It changes everything. It changes your mood. It changes your your lifestyle. It changes. The fact that you're like, oh, just to get up and norm- at normal. Oh, no, I can't just go up, walk up and like before. And it's amazing yeah. how it's like it really has changed my perspective in a lot of things and understanding a lot of people that go through this thing that I didn't even realize. I was very yeah. like, hey, just get up and do it. You yeah, know, same. Mine, mine is the most basic back thing that happens to so many people. And yet, like, yeah, it doesn't matter when you hear the statistics. It's like, when it happens to you, it happens to you. <laughs> and everybody gets affected differently. And then you yeah. can't expect somebody to go like, oh, no, it's just like you got to understand. If the person is like, if you tell me, no, man, it really hurts. Yeah. It hurts. It, hurts. it doesn't matter. Like, for you, it might hurt differently. But for me, it hurts a lot. Yeah. And that's... it affects me the way that I just live my life. That's the thing is I've stopped doing uh, so many things I need to be doing to be a regular happy person. Me too. I'm I'm the same way. I mean, I just, I was like, and and my thing is like, at least I'm, I did everything I could to do the conservative route. Yeah. And I still have it. I still feel it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, yeah. And I'm not looking to like, I was go like, I see a lot of sports and I see all these guys, athletes getting like surgeries all the time. I'm going like, I mean, they do it all the time and they go back to play yeah, sports play like professional sports I just want to just go be able to stand you know yes. and not having pain that's it Nathan, right. Nathan Adrian the world championships of swimming are happening right now Nathan Adrian former American record holder and gold medalist his relay just took gold and he had testicular cancer four months ago Matt's gotta go that's I'm good. sorry oh no yes. I think we both need to wrap oh, yeah, it up yes. yeah we've gotta get yeah. so Francisco where can our listeners find you with your new improved knee <laughs> yes uh, at Francisco new knee no I'm kidding uh at F Ramos Comedy or F Ramos Comedy on Instagram or on Twitter at Francisco Ramos or at Francisco Ramos. You can find me there. Uh, and you can find us at Probably Science, uh, probablyscience.com where yeah. we post all the links and our links to the Patreon and PayPal donation pages. You can find us individually at Andy T. Wood, at Matt Kirshen, probably science at gmail.com is the place to send in any stories, questions, comments, clarifications, and just things you'd like us to see wedding photos yeah if you've gotten married to someone you met by the That'd podcast awesome. we want to see the pictures that's very cute see pictures by the way Rachel thank you for awesome pictures yeah. congratulations both of you and thank you so much for joining this us this is so much fun I really had, I was, I really enjoy this you know I learned I learned so I, this is pretty cool it's, it's all, most of the times when I go to a podcast I don't learn I actually become dumber <laughs> so now I actually say opposite so thank you for well, having me well thanks for joining uh, listeners help. thank you so much we will see you next week bye bye bye